Just looking forward to uh, the day together. And uh, with that, you guys can go ahead and open to Ephesians 4. We're going to be in Ephesians 4. <clears throat> While you turn there, just want um, to say a couple words. Uh, I just, uh, this morning, need to... Need to say, I got a lot of a lot of things running through my mind. Uh, we could be here for a couple hours without a problem, uh, just because of the the number of things. Just feel like the Lord is uh, laying on my heart. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna focus it a little bit more. But just this morning, woke up at about four thirty, and um, I just felt like the Lord was changing and shifting direction uh, a little bit. So pray you guys will will bear uh, with me. Uh, and, uh, and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to be here. I don't want these to ever be my words. Uh, we're going to stick to the scripture. We want it to be his words. Uh, but, uh, but just pray that, uh, that the word that he has for this family, this congregation, would uh, be faithfully spoken uh, by me. So with that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as your church, Lord, as a family in the body of Christ, Lord, I'm just so thankful that you have given us the church. And Lord, that you loved the church so much that you laid yourself down, your own life down and purchased and bought us. Lord, we are grateful for that. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would be here with every heart, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to, to minds, Lord, and, and where there's hardness of heart, even even in my own heart, Lord, that you would speak through your word and soften us today, that we would hear and receive what you have for us. Lord, we just want to be a church that is, that is led by the Spirit, Lord, that is full of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I pray that you would fill us today. Lord, you tell us in, in Luke, as we were going through our core group notes, that, that you love to give good gifts to your children and, and you love to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask you. So today we ask you, Lord, for more of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that these, these words would, would not be my words, but would be yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, with that, welcome. Uh, glad you guys could be here. Uh, hopefully you had a good time with uh, the holidays and Thanksgiving. Uh, always an, uh, a great uh, opportunity for us to kind of focus and reflect on things that are important and, uh, and the importance of family. Uh, and uh, I hope you guys had a, had a good time. I know sometimes getting all the family together can be a, both a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and, uh, but, but glad that you are here uh, with us today. And glad uh, that regardless of how your Thanksgiving went, that you can be here and we can be together surrounded uh, with, uh, by one another and with fellowship and with, and with love. You are loved today. And uh, we are glad you're here. It was kind of fun. Uh, we had a, a Thanksgiving to remember. Uh, we had uh, all of uh, my wife's family came into town. And uh, our house was filled with cousins uh, this week. And uh, I, I can't remember. How many did we have, Steph, total? 20. Total, just everybody. 22 people in our house for most of the, uh, most of the holiday. Uh, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun, but I, I was joking with somebody I talked to. Was like, we didn't even see the kids most of the, most of the time. Uh, they were having so much fun with their cousins that there were days uh, that I maybe said 10 words to Jesse and Jill because they were just you know, out having a great time. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and not getting much sleep and getting up early. So I don't know if any of you guys uh, can identify with that, uh, but what a neat uh, opportunity it was to just spend time together. And it, uh, and it just reminds me so much of, uh, of the family, uh, also the family of God. And as we come here today and gather together, I'm just reminded that uh, that, that is uh, such a beautiful thing, that God has created for a purpose and last week, as we, as we dove into Ephesians 4, if you guys have already turned there, I hope I gave you guys a few minutes. We're going to just start in Ephesians 4, and I'm not sure how far we're going to go today. I'll just lay that out there right now. Originally, I planned to start in about verse 17, talking about the new man and the identity that we have in, in Jesus, uh, the identity we have that God has given us, a God-given identity, uh, and how that shapes uh, who we are and how we respond and how we walk. But also, as, as, as I was preparing and as I was getting, 
getting that ready, just kept coming back again and again to, uh, to the first part of Ephesians. And I know last week Rory uh, spent some time there and, uh, and we, we left off talking uh, right before a little bit about the body. Uh, but we also talked a little bit about unity within the body. Uh, and we talked about something called redemptive indicatives and moral imperatives. You guys uh, probably can recall a little a bit of that and, and, uh, and how there are things that we are, uh, there's things that we are, there's things that we are told and that informs what we do. So we're going to do a little bit of review as we get started. Uh, I want to take a, a moment and address uh, those specific things from last week. I think they're kind of essential to our understanding if we're going to move forward. So I want to make sure that you guys have a, a good handle on it. So in Paul's letters, and, and in this letter to the Ephesians, we see imperatives that are laid out to the church and to believers. Uh, but they're always, always, and almost always, you're going to see this in Paul's letters and Peter's letters, they're preceded by indicatives. So in light of X, then Y. Right? Does that, does that make sense? There is, so we use that transition word, therefore. And therefore means that there was something before that that was spoken. And so, therefore, here is the response. Here is the action. Here is, here is what we do. As I mentioned, Peter uses similar language in, in the epistles that he writes. I can recall it, you know, as he talks about being stewards of God's grace, and therefore, because of this grace that is given to you, here, what manner should we walk in holiness and righteousness because of what Jesus has done? He lays out the, the preceding uh, imperative or indicative, and then he gives us the moral imperative to follow. So, why is this important? Well, as we've talked about in, in our discipleship notes in the last few weeks, and I know Kevin is, uh, has been uh, good to, to pay uh, good attention to this and to bring it out, but this is not a to-do list. Christianity is not uh, a set of to-dos and, and to-not-dos. We're, we're not defined by simply looking at Jesus and, and mimicking everything he does, and that is not the end. So, Think of this in terms of being precedes acting. Who we are, who Jesus is, who we are in Christ becomes the motivation. It becomes the fuel for what it is that, that then Paul calls us to do, that Peter calls us to do, that Jesus calls us to do. And that's really important because we can begin to build a sense of, 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 of worth that comes from what we do, not from who Jesus is, not from what Jesus has done. And so it's really important that we, that we understand that, that we, that we don't come to a place where we begin to, to view what we do. And, 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 and let's, not, uh, um, let's not look at this as, as Paul says, these are things you have to do. He says, this is, this, is, this is what it will look like. But those things that we do are fueled by what Jesus has done. They're fueled by the power given to us by the Holy Spirit. So imperatives are, are rooted or preceded by indicatives. And it's important that we start from a, a correct perspective because Christianity is not simply a to-do list. It's not primarily a, a list of right and wrong actions. It's about Jesus and it's fueled by the gospel. So if we pick up in, in verse four, or I mean in chapter four, Paul says, "Therefore, uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing." with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led uh, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
and he gave uh, him, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when we, when we get started here, we, we have to pay attention. Uh, and Rory pointed this out last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repoint it out. In verse 1, from the get-go, He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So that therefore is a a transition. And and so if we were to ask, well, therefore, what what comes before that? Well, we can look back to to chapter 1, and you don't have to turn there. But it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He's laying out indicative. He says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He's laying out, he's saying, here is what has been done. Here is what Christ has done. So therefore, this is the response. This is, uh, as I begin to, to speak to you, Church of the Ephesians, here is, is what precedes these words. In chapter 2, we also see, as he continues to lay it out, he says, And he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He made you alive. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, and he brought you life. You once walked in these according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And he goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So he lays out for us this beautiful picture of a, uh, of a Savior who has gone before us and, and who has by grace saved us. We haven't earned it. We haven't merited it. We, we know, we can draw from, uh, from the, the verse that follows that that says, By grace have you been saved through faith, not of works, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So he says, in light of that, now I'm going to lay out some imperatives. And so what, what's the first thing that we see? To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Maybe another way to say that to be, would be to say, to walk in step with the calling that you've been given. You know, there are many places in Paul's letters, that this, this, almost this exact verbiage, this exact wording is used. To walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. And Paul goes on to say, with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And as I read those words as I prepared and I prayed, I was drawn back to this 
this verse again and again are these verses talking about unity. And I know last week we kind of left off with a, with a discussion about unity within the body and within this body. And I just felt a need as one of your pastors to also address this issue. The Lord has been deeply working in my heart this week as I poured over Paul's letters and writings to the churches. I read them all. I went home Sunday and spent time Sunday evening and and into Monday, and I read through all of Paul's letters. And in them, I made several observations, and I just want to share a couple with you. This was not my my original intention with, with today. I just felt like this is the direction that the Lord would have me go. And I think it's important because what comes after that depends upon unity within the body. And I want to be careful to say that, you know, uh, unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Unity and uniformity are, are not the same thing. But Paul spends great amounts of time in his letter stressing the importance of unity. Almost every letter he addresses the importance of unity. In almost every letter, Paul spends a great amount of time dealing with warning against division and admonishing us how to deal with division in the church. In almost every letter, he spends a great deal of time cautioning believers to avoid quarreling over words and ideas. If you you read through the different letters that Paul writes, you see some themes that arise. And one of the things he spends very little time expounding upon are the doctrines we elevate and divide over with one another. His letters do not spend great amounts of time admonishing us on the particulars and tenets of, of doctrinal frameworks or a position or a distinctive one over another. You know, I, I think if these were, were issues that God intended for us to divide with over one another, Paul would have made these much more clear to us in the scripture, but he doesn't. What he does make clear to us is the importance of unity, the importance of, of loving one another well, the importance of not causing or being the cause of and creating division. He makes it clear that division is not rooted in love or in the spirit. But rather it's in the flesh. Division within the church is not pleasing to God. And its source is the flesh. Whether we realize it or not, when we are divisive, we're tools in the hands of the enemy to distract from and lead away from the body those who are drawn into it. In Romans 16, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. In 1 Corinthians uh, Chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. He goes on to say, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? And as I read Acts 20, which is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders, he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And as I read that, I was moved to tears. I wept. I want you guys to know that you have pastors and elders that love you. And we love the church. And we love Christ. And we weep for you. And we rejoice when you rejoice. I know Rory noted that there have been some that have created some division and and that there have been some, some fallout from that. But I want even those who who have maybe left and have caused division to understand that you also are loved. I say that today because I know some of them are listening to this message or will likely listen to this message. And it's easy to be drawn away into things that are not true. It's easy to be drawn away into into gossip, into slander. And and Paul says, have none of it. That, That should not be among you. There have been accusations that, that sometimes we don't love. And I, and I want to stand up and, and tell you that we're not going to love perfectly. As, as hard as we try, your elders and your pastors will not always love perfectly. And we will fall short and we will make mistakes. But I, but I also want to assure you, as Paul did, he said, you know us. As he spoke to the churches, he said, you know us, how we labored beside you, how we didn't require anything from you, how we, how we walked with you through these, through these difficult times and seasons, and how you walked with us, how we loved one another. And it's been hard. It's been hard to watch. I know some that would maybe accuse us don't, don't necessarily see uh, the calls that we, that we get in the middle of the night and, and, and people that we run to the hospital and, and stay with them. The same people that, that uh, are, are, are not going to, um, they're not going to be here two months from now. Yet we love them. We care for them. We show them Christ's love. You know, some that have left, I, it breaks my heart. I can remember just thinking of Thanksgiving and how a Thanksgiving ago I spent... Uh, hours and, and, and with, these, with, with families that we love, that we've poured out, that we've, that we've walked through difficult situations in marriage and family with one another, that we've, that we've stayed up late and counseled with one another, that we've walked through seasons and core groups and ministry. And I want you to know and I want them to know that you are loved by this pastoral team. I know Rory, and I know Blaine, I know Kevin, I know these men, I know Adam, these men that have walked with many of you through difficult situations. And I don't want to belabor this point of, div- uh, of, of division any longer than is necessary, but I just felt that it needed to be addressed. Because nowhere in Paul's letters do I see that he lays out a situation where it's okay for us to divorce from one another in the church. To say, I don't love you enough to fellowship anymore. Outside of some pretty difficult doctrinal issues. I don't see a place where that's what love looks like when it's laid out by Jesus. The one who gave himself for the church. Who loves the church. And so we also should love the church. And I think the, the important thing is that we realize that this isn't, this isn't the last time this will happen. I think that's the warning that we see, is that Paul says, I know that after I depart, that this will happen. 
that from the outside there will be wolves who come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from the inside, from among your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. But I want to admonish you today because I see before me a family which God has put together. He's joined together by, by his design, by his plan. He's brought this group of people together. And just like my family this week at Thanksgiving, I love you guys. And I love the church. So, why is that important? What does that have to do with the rest of what we're talking about today? Because I see it as essential to moving forward in what God has called this church to do. He's called us to make disciples. He's, he's brought us together. Many of us come from diverse backgrounds, from diverse places. Many of you from different churches, and, and God has brought you here. I think our elder team is a great example of that. We've, we've talked about that many times, but uh, Blaine... Uh, coming from a Lutheran background, myself from an Assemblies of God background, Rory from Calvary Chapel, uh, Kevin from a Baptist background, Chad from a Foursquare background, and yet God has seen fit to bring us together in unity. Because he has a design and a mission that extends beyond us. It's beyond ourselves. It's beyond uh, even our understanding. And, and it's been a beautiful thing to watch the Holy Spirit designed that and bring that together. It's, it's maybe been one of the most important uh, things that I've, that I've witnessed in my, uh, in my Christian walk is, is, the, is the ability for God to bring unity out of such diversity. And I'm, and I'm glad that that can serve as an example. I'm, I'm excited uh, for what God has done. I'm excited that we could gather in a room together a few months ago, and uh, at, well, really a little bit longer than that now, and send Chad out uh, as somebody sent out by this church, but knowing that it could have been any one of us as we gathered together and felt moved by the Spirit, that this is the direction that I am leading you and all of us to lay ourselves and our families on the line and say, Lord, if it's any one of us, we would go. I so trust these men. I don't just trust men in general, but I so trust these men because of what I see and how they live their lives and how I, I walk with them day after day and how we walk in the word together. I trust what they see. I trust what God speaks to them and, and what he speaks to me. And, and it's amazing to see God move. It's been one of the most powerful things that, that God has, has worked out in my life as a believer. But with that, we've also seen that God has, has brought together uh, us into a, into, a, into a vision, into a trajectory. And that's not something that we've designed. And so unity is important because as we take a look, and here's really what, I, what we want to get into today, is, is that the body is, is designed to work together. And a body that's designed to work together cannot work together when it's not in unity. You know, we see Paul use this example of the body so often. In 1 Corinthians 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all are members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. He goes on to say, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. The hand cannot say, well, I'm just not a foot, so I don't belong. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And yet God's design is for all these parts to work together the way that they were designed to be. The ear is designed to be an ear. The eye is designed to be an eye. And each one serves a unique and important function. Just as every believer in this body serves an important need and function. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So you can see that it's essential for, as we move forward, as we uh, walk in the calling and the leading of the Spirit, as He moves us and as He, as he, as he takes us where, he, where He's designed for us to go, as, as He moves us into this process of making disciples, as He moves us uh, into the process of, of, of going overseas, it doesn't matter where we go, here or there, our vision and our job is to make disciples. And we have to be in unity in order for that to happen. We have to be in unity for each part of the body to be moving and functioning in the way that God has called it. As I was preparing today and last night, I, I remembered uh, my, my friend, Pastor Dill in Nepal. We're going back, we're going to visit Pastor Dill. Uh, but it was just such a beautiful thing and I sent him a word of encouragement, just something I felt like the Lord had laid on my, on my heart to share with him and, and, and to encourage him uh, before he spoke today, before he uh, was, was uh, going to, uh, to speak to his congregation. And he wrote me back and, and said, thank you, brother, for your words of encouragement. It's so wonderful to hear from you. And it's so amazing to me that this is by God's design, that, that not only are we in, in unity right here, but that he's bringing us into, into unity and into partnership with people halfway around the world. And it's one body, and there's this beautiful thing that happens in the, in the body of Christ, in that in that, in that unity, there's, there's a belonging, there's a, there's a recognition, there's a, there's a beautiful sense of family. It was great when we had uh, Brandon and Saren come over, and, and it was such a, a neat opportunity for us. They were, uh, they were here, and, and we invited them over for, for, uh, for dinner, and as our conversation progressed, they just said, isn't it so amazing that we can, we can come together, and here's people we don't even know, and yet we feel like we have so much in common. And it's amazing that that can translate not just across barriers uh, here, right here in our, own, uh, in our own country, in our own culture, people coming from various places, but, but that that same unity affects uh, everything that we do in Nepal with Pastor Dill. That same sense of unity brings us together. And so as we look at Ephesians and we continue on, we see that God gave each one of us grace according to the measure of Christ's gift says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What that means is that every member, every person has been given gifts. You have been given a gift. You are part of the body. And, and coming to understand that and to know that and to function in your gift is, is a beautiful part of how this body works together for the mission that God has put us on. You know, it's an amazing thing to, to see my daughter up and, and participating in worship this week. And she's done that twice now. And while I'm proud as a dad to see my daughter stepping out, it, what, what, what really turns my heart, though, is seeing my daughter understand that she is, a, is an important part of the body. My other daughter running back in the, in the, in the media ministry this week. Not as upfront as, as being in the worship team, but, a, but another role is so important to what we do here. The ministry of the church. And that's what makes my, my heart as a dad filled with pride is not, is not the gifts that my children have, but to see them express them for the work and the ministry that God has called us to do. And as an elder, as we walk together, as we work through these things, as a, as a pastor, as one who's called to shepherd... What, what makes me excited is that when we see one another operating in the gifts and the way the body operates and what God has called us to do. And as we go on, we see that in, in, uh, in 11 it says, He gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is the reason why God has designed the church. That is the reason why he makes some to be pastors and some to be teachers. It's not so that we stand up and, 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 and receive some kind of special honor or glory, but it's for equipping the saints. 
for the work of the ministry. That is our, that is our role, that is our job, and that's, and that's the same thing that translates to core group leaders and those who, who function in 242 and, and high school discipleship ministry. The end goal is to make disciples, and so we equip one another. We, we work with one another to identify and discover and then to use those gifts. And it's, it's, it's something I want to encourage you in today. You are, are every member is, 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 is meant to be in ministry. You are meant to minister to the body. And, and part of this role that we have is to, is to encourage you and to, and to move you forward and to, and to equip you and to prepare you for that ministry. It was exciting to come uh, and, and realize we had 62 children in, in children's ministry two weeks ago, 47 last week. There are lots of opportunities for ministry. And then when Kenny calls a meeting together and has the opportunity, here's opportunities to train for ministry, to equip, to be ready, to be prepared. You may, you may say, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't, I don't know how to do those things. I don't know uh, how to be involved in ministry. And, and my admonition to you would be then come, get involved, be a part of what is going on. Join in, allow yourself to be stretched, to move in faith. This is what God has called you to do. As part of the body, you are meant to be in ministry. There's a part of me that would love to see numbers of pastors. We know, we've been in contact with, there's need all around uh, this area, and, and in Burns and in these outer regions, for people who will go and preach and proclaim the gospel. It's not our desire to, to simply come and gather together and have you, and have you come week after week and, and get fed and then go home and, and wait and come back the next week. It's, this, is a, this is time for equipping for ministry. It'd be my desire to see God call many forward into, into doing those things and, and into going overseas and to, and to helping be a part of that. And why do I say that? Well, because that's already what God has called us to do. We've been walking through a season as a church where God has, has been laying the groundwork, the foundation, tilling the ground for what he wants to do, how he wants to use this church. He's done some amazing things to grow us and to shape us. And, and, and it, would, it would take all day to recount all the things and how they all fit together. But the point is, is that they do. They fit together. And God has designed it that way. And so by the very nature that he's designed you to, to be a part of this body, then he's designed you for that as well. He's designed you to disciple. He's designed you to go to your neighbors, to go to your friends, to your co-workers, to be a part of, of the ministry of the body here, the edification and the building up of one another. That is a, that is a huge part of the, of, of, the, of the point of giftings, the point of, of, of the things that God gives us is that so we can be built up in love, that we can build up one another, we can edify the church. And to what end? Paul goes on to say, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the head of the body. He loves the body and he's given us this th these things and, he, and, we're, and we're working together. We're being built up together we're using our gifts we're we're edifying the body so that we would grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ it's not god's design that we should in fact he says we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting and to some degree i feel like that's a season that we've been that we've been walking in as somebody comes along and, and, and God has designed this picture and this design of the church and he's built it and he said, this is the way I would have it operate and function. I would have pastors and apostles and teachers and this is my design. And then there would be some that say, I don't need that. I could become my own counsel, my own authority. And, and then a new doctrine comes along, or a teacher, and, and, and a teacher that's not accountable for your soul. You know, it's interesting that in, that in Hebrews, Paul, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews, Paul, Apollos, whoever it is that writes that, says, 
And not in a, in a way that, that's, that's commanding, but it says, obey uh, those that are your leaders that have been put over you to watch out for your very souls. You know, when we start to, to take counsel from, from other people in other directions, and I'm not advocating and saying don't listen to other, other teaching. I, I grow and I, and I glean so much from, from great teachers. There are so many good teachers. The internet has made a, just a, 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 an open door of, of great teaching, but it's also opened up a door uh, of great false teaching. And the only way that we can be protected in that is for us to be under the authority and the leadership and the design of God's church. And I don't say that coming from a position of authority. I say that and, and with all trembling and fear and humility. It's an awesome thing. And when we walk in love and when we walk in humility, God builds us up. And he protects us as we gather with one another, as we grow together. You know, pride is a great enemy. So I don't say those things coming at it from an authoritative or an authoritarian perspective. But I come at it as one who has been charged by my king to watch out and to shepherd this flock. One minute and 47 seconds. Paul tells us that in speaking the truth in love may we grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ it's not wrong to love the truth in fact, we should love the truth. And we should be quick to practice and speak it to one another. When I am wrong, the last thing that I want is for my brothers to allow me to walk in a wrong direction, in a, in a wrong way of thinking. Because if I'm walking in a wrong way of thinking, then I'm going to lead others in a wrong way of thinking. When my life does not line up, I'm grateful to my wife when she says, that, that is not a mark of the Spirit in your life. Those might be hard words to hear, but I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful when my brothers say, that is, that is not the, the mark of what Christ would do. It's not the mark of the Spirit in your life. He goes on to say, from whom the whole body joined and did together, verse 16, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, you are necessary for this body to function the way that God designed it to function. Every one of you. God has has designed and placed this and made it to work so that every joint, everything that works together supplies what is needed and what is effective for the growth of the body and for the edifying of itself in love. I know some of you may not know yet where you fit in, but I want to encourage you that you are needed and that you are necessary. I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to serve. I want to encourage you to walk in faith, even if you're not sure what it is that God has gifted you in. And I want to encourage you as you gather with your brothers and sisters and as, you, as, we, as we work towards uh, this process of becoming the fullness of Christ together, whether that be in core groups or, or home groups, Allow that to be spoken into your life. Hey, I see that you have such a, a great gift with, with kids. Man, have you ever thought about serving in children's ministry? Hey, I see that you, uh, you seem to understand computers really well. Have you ever thought about serving in media ministry? Hey, I see that you just have a heart to serve. 
Have you, have you thought about being a, a part of, uh, of the cleaning ministry or, or an administrative role, helping, helping the church stay more organized? We need your gifts. The body needs your gifts. And God has designed you to use them. I want to step into verse 17 and, and the new man. We're not going to get very far in this today. I want to be sensitive to time. But Paul goes on in verse 17 to say, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. And we see that word, therefore, again. I want you guys to pay attention to that. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, be, uh, who, <clears throat> who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness. Now why do I want to say it? Because I want you to understand that each one of you in this room has an identity You've been given something. And Paul, uh, as I mentioned before, says uh, that, uh, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And, and I don't really like the New King James Version of this. And I'm going uh, to read it uh, actually in the, uh, in the ESV for that purpose. Because I want you to understand that the, uh, that, the, that the Greek, when you go and you look at the Greek, this is a very forceful, uh, th- he's basically saying... Uh, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Let me read that. It says, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In the Greek, it might read something along the lines of, uh, no longer are you to walk this way. And that's an important thing. Because as we look at the world around us, I'm not going to be able to get into the rest of what I wanted to today, but... But, but there is, there is a, a separation that comes within the church. Your identity in Christ, the way that you've been taught. If in, it says, if indeed you are in him, then you have this new identity. The world doesn't have this identity. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy practices of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. So what Paul is saying is that this is, this is the imperative. Think back to, and, and I want you guys to kind of coin that thought in your head. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That, that's going to kind of be where, where we're going with this. He says, this is, this is who you are. This is your identity as one who believes in Christ, as one who has been filled with the Spirit. No longer are you to walk this way. So when we look at the, at the world and we look at the church, we see that there's a distinct difference between the two. When, when, when the world looks at the church, they shouldn't see uh, that, that we join in the same things that they join in, that we think the same way that they do. And as we look, and oh man, I wish we had the time today, but we just look at this picture and we see that this is such a radical difference, a radical calling from the way that the world operates. You know, Peter says, you know, um, I'm sorry, Jesus says, when, you, when you, uh, you, love your, you, you love those who love you, what credit is that to do? Even the world does that. But, but you are to love your enemy. So we see this, we see that, uh, that there's this difference between how we're, how we're to walk. This identity that Christ has given us. This imperative to follow because of what Jesus has done. How he has set us free. And, and we should be a light that looks different. When the world looks at the church, it should not look like the world. And as we shift and as we change, he goes on in, in, uh, in, in later on to say, in your anger do not sin. What does the world look like when it's angry? And we can look and we can see what the world looks like when it's angry. 
We can look at Portland. We can look at these cities where, where protests are happening, where, where people are upset over what has happened. And, and in their anger, they do destructive things and they destroy. And he says, you know, in your anger, you're not to look the same way. In your anger, do not sin. Don't give the devil opportunity to come in and to bring destruction. And I think one of the most important things, and I just want to close with this. Adam, if you guys want to come back up, I'm, I'm going to be done here in just a moment. Worship team. But he goes on to say, this is not what you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. It belongs to your former manner of living. It's corrupt. It is, it is susceptible to the same thing, the deceitful desires. It is broken. And Jesus says, this is not who you are. And he goes on to say, you put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So this new self that we walk in, this new self, this righteousness and this holiness that we put on, it comes from God. He says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and that this is such an important piece and, and I wish we had more time together. But I want to hit on that. This new life, this new identity is something that we have to come to understand. We have to come to believe it. It's something that we accept by faith. You know, we're told that without faith it's impossible to please God. So in this, we, we have to accept this. We have to, we have to, to believe this by faith. You know, when, when you become, when you get to the point where you begin to believe that this, is, that this is truth, that this is life, what Jesus' words that he says, you don't have to be convinced to read your Bible when you come to, to, to believe that this is important to your daily need as, as the food is that you put into your body in order to survive. When you become convinced that this is, this is just as important, that your spiritual nourification is just as important, that, that your life depends on, on this, then, then you don't have to be told. Read, read the word. You don't have to be reminded. This isn't something that becomes a chore for you anymore. You, you wake up and you say, I need this. I need the words of Jesus. This is life. This is truth. I need to have this. It sustains me. And if this is truth, there's nothing else that I want. There's, there's nothing else that this world can give me. You know, the same thing happens when, when we become a, a believers in, in prayer, in the power of prayer, in, in, in the call to pray. When we, when we find that we abide in the presence of Jesus, and I had such a sweet time yesterday as I just, as I just soaked in the presence of Jesus and, and worshipped him and listened uh, to, to, some, to some worship music, and I just, I just lost myself for a time in reading his word and worshipping. And when you do that, when you abide in Jesus, and when you, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be reminded, oh, I need to pray today. It becomes a part of who we are. It becomes a part of, and, and, and we begin to walk in the Spirit. And it becomes a part of our identity. And we, become, and we begin to believe that. And then when we begin to believe that, then these things that we've struggled with, these sins, these, these things that have hold on, held on to us, these things that have made us slaves, we begin to re realize that that's something I've got to let go of, and we let go of it. Because we've come to understand the life and the truth and everything that is in Jesus. And you know, that has been something so powerful and a testimony in my, in my heart. And I just want that for, for every I just want everybody to understand. I want you to, to understand it. Because I believe when that happens, when we embrace that, when we walk in the Spirit, we begin to understand who we are. Then this is unity that begins to be bound and built because of our faith and because of Christ. Not because we purposely walk around, walking around saying, don't be destructive, don't be divisive, don't do these things. We don't do these things because we become more and more built up together as the body that Christ has designed us to be. And he is at the head. And all of this flows, these moral imperatives that come from these indicatives, right? That just begins to be a part of who we are. And we walk in that identity. 
and we help one another. I think that's why this, this has been such a difficult topic is, is I've walked with these people. I've walked with all of you. We've done this together. You know who we are. It's what makes it hard when somebody walks away and says, I don't want you. I don't, I don't love you enough. Yeah, I, w- I want to be cordial when we see each other on the street, but, but I don't love you enough to be with you. And I, and I just got to believe that's not, that doesn't come from Jesus when we're walking in him. When we are unified in purpose, in mind, in vision, and what he's called us to do as a church, that doesn't come from him. It comes from the enemy that wants to distract and to destroy and to take away from that. You know, we've seen some incredible things happening and, and we're going to be growing together and uh, looking for new opportunities for discipleship. But this, this, this affects my family too. You know, recently we've, we've shared God has taken this church and he's oriented our direction and he's taken it off of, uh, of just ourselves and he's, and he's moved it and he's shifted it and he's, and he's put it in, 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 uh, uh, in this view of a global context and a bigger picture. You know, discipleship happens here, and it happens uh, in, our, in our homes, and it starts there, and it, and it goes to our neighbors, and then now it's taking us across the world, and God has, has brought us to that point. But I say that to say every member that's here is a part of that process. I encourage you to, to, to pray for this Nepal team as they get ready to leave. I encourage you, in fact, I, I, I ask you, I implore you, I plead with you, pray for us. That we would have direction as, as God takes us and, and brings us there and gives us an opportunity to say beyond just the fact that you've got us here to, uh, to trek and to, and to go into the mountains. Lord, you've called us to make disciples here as well. Show us what that looks like. Bring us into partnership with those who, uh, who you've designed and destined for us to be with. That's such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ going from local to global, and it's all a part of the same body. Paul already told us we're, we're baptized into one body. We're, we're, we're a part of one body, one spirit. And it's a beautiful thing, but, but we need you, and every part of this body is a part of that process. Whether or not you ever step foot in Nepal, whether or not you ever step foot in Iran or any of these countries that we pray for, that we go to, God has called us together to be a body that's unified for his purpose and his design. So I want to just end there. I want you guys to remember that phrase, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, to which you have been called. Brandon and Kevin and Melvin, these men who are so important in my life, Jake, Dustin, Joe. So I look around and I see these men who I meet with on a regular basis who have been so influential to me. Rory and Blaine. And you too, every one of you, who would walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called would come to understand and to know the identity, the importance of every member of this body. And today, if you don't feel like an important member of this body, then I just want to say, there's nothing but the enemy lying to you about who you are. He has brought you here for a purpose. I believe that. I believe that every member in this church, every individual that, is, that calls this home, that that is by Christ's design, that he has brought you here. And as we walk forward, I believe it's just so important that we understand our value, our worth, the design as God has designed it, that every member from those who teach to those who, who scrub floors to those who work in the back with children, every one is important. And every member is called to ministry. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you loved us. 
that you sent your son to die for us, to be an example that we would follow. That even in that, you tell us that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Lord, you are doing something in this community, in this body, in this family of believers. You're doing something in this world and, and, and you've, you've brought us all together and, you, and in your goodness, you've, you've, you've made us a part of it. But your grace, you've poured out grace upon us to even open our eyes to see something that, that, that extends beyond what this world sees. That no longer are we bound and slaves to the things that the world chases after. Lord, in a world that values money and fame and entertainment, God, we're thankful that you have, by your grace, just given us a vision that's, that's different, that you've called us out of this world. You've given us an identity that's so contrary to the pattern of this world, and you've, and you've transformed us. I pray that you would renew our minds that we would walk in that, Lord, in faith and in truth. That no longer do we walk as, as the world walks. No longer do we chase after or we bound to the things that the world is bound to. But God, that you've set us free. There's so much freedom, Lord. Why would we want to remain slaves when you've made us free? And so, Lord, I just pray for every person who's here, who's, who's listening God, that you would help us to take on the mind of Christ. That you would give us faithfulness in the areas that you've called us to serve. Lord, that you would equip us for the ministry. Lord, that you would help us as pastors and teachers to, to also equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Lord, I am thankful that you loved us and that you loved me and that you loved the church. Lord, I pray that we would love the church. You continue to grow us and, and, and unite us in love for one another. God, may we learn more and more what it means to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. God, that there wouldn't be any needy among us because we do love you and love one another so much that every need is, is accounted for. And Lord, I know we fall short. And I know that I have fallen short. But I'm thankful, God, that you give us an example and you pick us up and you empower us to pick up and to carry on with the work that you've called us to do. Lord, you've given us a ministry of reconciliation. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would be reconciled first to one another. Lord, if there is any, any, any difference that, that is bringing division, even today with, between members of this body, that, Lord, you would heal that and that you would help us to see that you have called us to walk in unity and peaceably with one another. God, for those who have been estranged from the body for whatever reason, Lord, I just pray today that you would bring healing. God, I pray that you would not allow anyone to walk in isolation, to become the counsel of their own mind and of their own will and instead of the design that you've laid out. And Father, more than anything, I pray that you would help us to, to love one another and to love those that you've, that you've put right among us right now in this community, in this, in this church body. Lord, that you would give us a bigger vision and a purpose that extends outside of our own lives and our own desires. Lord, this wasn't the direction that I had planned on today at all. It's, it's so far away, and yet I, I know... That in your design, even if I've, if I've stumbled across my words, if I've not come across as clear as I wanted, Lord, that this was what you called me to preach today. This is what you called me to speak about. And Lord, in that, I just pray that you would continue to build up this body in unity with one another. You would make every member uh, come to a knowledge and a realization of, of their role, of their part. Lord, it may start right here, just serving the body in a simple way, but Lord, who knows where that leads to? 
And every piece of that is important, whether that's here or whether that's in uh, Iraq or Nepal or anywhere else, Lord. This is a body that, that is, is dependent upon one another. And in your design, you've designed it that way. So Lord, I pray that we would that we would grow up into the fullness and the measure of Christ, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Lord, that we wouldn't be pulled away and, 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 and brought into factions among one another and against one another. Father, may we be an example and a light to the world that's around us, to this community. Lord, so many people need to know you, so many people walking in that same slavery, and they need to be set free. God, I pray that you would set them free. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to set us free, Lord. May we put off the old man today and put on the new self. May we accept that in faith. And Lord, may you fill us with the spirit that we would have the power to walk in the new man, in the new life. And Lord, when the enemy comes and he tries to, to bring us back and pull us back and, and speak words of deceit, that that would be silenced, Lord, by your leading and by the spirit and by the gathering of, the, of us together and the admonishment of one another. May we walk in truth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.